The city will fund $60 million of infrastructure at the Michael Reese site. The taxpayer-funded plan is part of a broader arrangement that will help move forward a proposal to transform the 48-acre property into a mixed-use campus. In theory, it'll give this project an important boost to get financing and shovels in the ground to start building this big medical research center that will anchor it. And the Crane's Harris Poll Chicago Executive Poll Survey results are in. Harris Poll CEO William Johnson joins me to talk about the results and about the issues top of mind as leaders start to emerge from the pandemic and look to what's on the horizon. Leaders who are forward-looking should be thinking about how, how do we get out ahead and begin to start to paint a picture for the community about what is Chicago and Illinois going to look like in in a post-COVID environment. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Tuesday, May 11th. In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours, too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. I'm joined now by William Johnson, who is CEO of the Harris Poll, a public opinion market research and strategy firm based here in Chicago. And quarterly, the Harris Poll partners with Crane's Chicago Business on the Chicago Executive Poll Survey to talk with executives and get a sense of issues that are top of mind. That is no small task. I'm sure there's a lot of things that are top of mind right now. Well, welcome back and tell us a little bit about uh, this survey and what you learned this time around. Well, thanks for having me. Again, as you said, what we're measuring here is is business leaders in the Chicago area. We do this on a regular basis, and this is data we captured over the last month of how they're feeling about um, sort of broad issues, obviously COVID, and then and then anything that that we view as relevant at the moment. And last time we connected was a little more anxiety among business leaders. This this wave was was far more positive. I think in general, business leaders are feeling really good about the direction the city's heading in. That ties obviously to the rollout in vaccines, which is which has gone very well to date. And they really feel that return to, to somewhat normal public life is imminent. I think the interesting thing about that is as uh, confidence grows that COVID is sort of moving more to the background and we will return to normal. Um, some of those issues that that have been there pre-COVID and and still there begin to rise to the front of uh, business leaders' sort of attention. And those things are taxes, crime, education. So while we're seeing big uh, pickup in confidence about, um, you know, getting COVID under control through vaccines and um, a lot of optimism about economy and reopening, we are started seeing those other issues uh, that are critical now taking focus. Did you get the sense that there was a lot of thought going into um, offices, crowds, how, how to kind of steer through that? Because we're, you know, while there's optimism, we're not through it yet. We're, we're getting there, but we're not through it yet. Were some of those interim issues reflected in the data? Yes, for sure. I mean, I think that that like like you said, that the optimism is just sort of a sigh of relief that that we are starting to see a real light at the end of the tunnel. 
business leaders are looking for leadership from you know, the city, the state, CDC, et cetera, as far as how to move forward in those things. But I think, you know, the real game changer here is what's driving COVID down is vaccines and not sort of distancing measures for large part over this last period. So I think, I think um, as long as there's some guidance, I just think there's, there's just a lot more confidence as it relates to, to reopen and, um, and, and, you know, crowds, uh, gathering, et cetera, because I, I think most of these people feel like um, most of the community will be vaccinated um, uh, relatively soon. And then what about, uh, what was the sense you got about how leaders are feeling about the economy? Did you see that optimism there too? A lot of optimism. I said last time we talked that that sort of uh, the virus is the economy and the economy is the virus. So as, again, this sort of unprecedented vaccine uh, rollout has occurred and the virus has moved a little bit back. You're right. It's not gone away. And, and there are variants and, and other, you know, this is, this is still a, a fluid situation, but as it has sort of subsided, confidence in the economy has gone up uh, a great deal. But what we see when that happens is some of these other issues that had moved in the background a little bit because everyone was focused, you know, most of the attention had to be on COVID on these the, these these real um, major issues as it relates to taxes, crime, and education. So, I think that leaders who are forward looking should be thinking about how how do we get out ahead and begin to start to paint a picture for the community about what is Chicago and Illinois going to look like in in a post COVID environment. How are we going to leverage some of the the things we we learned, some of those those benefits of this past period. And then how are we going to deal with these major uh, issues? That That's what I think we're starting to see them begin to look for those things. And I uh, my prediction is, is as we move forward in polling, when, when we talk in the summer, those will be sort of front of mind. And in terms of taxes, crime, and education, the, those issues that you said surfaced, were there any hints about what you think the future survey, future polling might reveal about where executives thinking is on, on these topics? Yeah, on, I, we'll just take them one by one. On, on taxes, not surprisingly, you know, the city gets a, a sort of fair or worse, over, over 60% sort of grade fair or worse on the issue of taxes. So I think we had the big income tax issue um, in this past election. But I still think there's this this unresolved problem of, of of how do we create a tax structure that is going to incentivize business, incentivize people to be here, but also how are we going to pay for all these liabilities we have? So so that's a big unanswered question, and business leaders are are sort of look looking at leadership and, and saying um, they've not gotten a sufficient answer on safety. We while we did see public safety actually tick up. In this survey, I think the further we get away from a lot of the issues that occurred last summer, you, you'd, you'd see sort of, sort of um, that that move up, and we saw a ten point improvement as far as as public safety. That said, the city business community is still viewing that as a major issue, and still over fifty percent view the handling of public safety as fair or worse. So, so by no means are these business leaders saying that they think um, situation is in good shape or under control. It's just moved from um, extremely low levels from last summer. And on education, 
people are 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 fair minded in understanding the unprecedented challenges that that COVID brought. A, a slight majority think that the handling of education has been good throughout this. We're seeing that move down. That was over fifty five percent just in the the last period we tracked. So I think you're seeing as issues around school openings and um, some of the tension between the unions and and the the mayor's office and and the state boil up we're we're seeing that move down so so i think when we talk about sort of looking around the corner i think there's a big a big interest in getting some clear direction on where we're going to be as far as school and and a huge bias towards getting kids back in school in a safe way as soon as possible yeah and other topics that come up in this data, you look at infrastructure and employment and cost of living. I'm curious about if there was anything that really struck you as unusual or surprising in any of those other data points. I think there is a real openness to invest in the city, in infrastructure, in schools, in things that will drive people to want to be in the city, want to work in the city and live in the city. So, so there is a real appetite there for investment. That said, I think particularly this this group really wants to make sure that there is accountability, uh, transparency, and um, a good use of those investments. So, if you're looking at this from a, a sort of optimistic view, I think I think this is a really nice time to make some major investments in the city, but it needs to be done in a way that that again has that sort of transparency, accountability, and, and just sort of practicality about, you know, is this going to drive those, those major metrics that, that these people are looking at? Is it going to um, employ people, create a good, safe environment where there's a good education and families can thrive? Always a lot to think about. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk it through with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me and look forward to um, talking again later in the year. Coming up in today's top stories, Rush and BMO launch a $10 million health equity institute. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Here's a great way to stay in touch with Crane's Daily Gist. Subscribe to the Crane's Morning 10. It's our daily newsletter featuring the 10 biggest stories of the day. To subscribe, visit chicagobusiness.com slash morning 10. I'm Cranes reporter A.D. Quigg, and you're listening to Cranes Daily Gist with Amy Guth. The city of Chicago plans to foot the bill for around $60 million in new roads and other infrastructure running through the former Michael Reese Hospital site, all part of a deal meant to jumpstart the first phase of a plan to turn the large Bronzeville property into a mixed-use campus. Cranes commercial real estate reporter Danny Ecker has more. The city was always going to have to help out with the development of this site because it's a big taxpayer liability. The city is just sitting on an empty piece of valuable land with a big mortgage tied to it, and it pays $13 million a year in debt service. So any developer would have leverage to say, okay, we're going to revive this site, but the city needs to help us out with certain aspects. And that's what's happening here with the infrastructure piece. Uh, And in theory, it'll give this project an important boost to get financing and shovels in the ground to start building this big medical research center that will anchor it. Uh, what we don't know yet is exactly how the city will fund these new roads. Uh, they could borrow or use existing funds or maybe some federal infrastructure funding, but 
At a time when the city could really use a positive economic jolt, this is a move and a project that can help give it one. Eminent architect Helmut Jan was killed while riding his bicycle in a far west suburb this past weekend, leaving an architectural legacy in Chicago and around the world from his nearly half century of design. Dennis Rodkin is reporting the story in detail for Cranes. Helmut Jan died at 81 years old on Saturday. He was riding his bike near the horse farm that he had rehabbed for his wife, Deborah, a historical horse farm that he brought into the 21st century with his usual style. He leaves behind so many important buildings in Chicago. Everybody knows his Thompson Center, which is both loved and hated. Some people do both. They love and hate it. But there's also the United Center at O'Hare. There is the State Street housing at IIT at about 35th and State, which is this beautiful sort of round-topped, metal-clad series of buildings. There's the Mansueto Library edition at the University of Chicago, where the library is underground. And then what Jan did is he sort of creates this swell of glass that rises up out of the ground. The ceiling of the library is what you're seeing. He did so many really important buildings. One of my favorites is at 120 North LaSalle, right by the Thompson Center, built a few years later. It has all those hallmarks of the 1990s. It's got stripes. It has sort of postmodern shapes. It has a curved top, but it fits right into the street grid. It's just another tower, like so many on LaSalle Street and other loop streets, but with this 1990s colorful sort of sizzle to it, and it adds the work of another important artist. There's a canopy over the entrance that is a mosaic of Icarus and Daedalus by Roger Brown, another important Chicago artist. So you get Helmut Jan and Roger Brown in one structure. Some of Jan's earlier buildings in the Chicago area are sort of tucked away. There's the public library in Michigan City, which has translucent walls. So during the day, light comes in and at night, light comes out, it's built around a courtyard. He built a gym, a, a gymnasium at La Lamere, a private school in Laporte. These are early in his career when he's building big buildings in places like Kansas City, but hasn't yet hit Chicago with the big stuff. Then in 1980, he builds the Xerox Center, now 55 West Monroe, which is a gorgeous glass tower Again, just like a lot of Chicago buildings, a lot of buildings on the grid, it's a sheer tower, but it has this wonderful curve on the corner that really sets it apart. And 25 years later, was highly regarded. He built it in 1980, and there are reviews from much later saying this was one of the great buildings of the 1970s, 1980s. Rolling Meadows-based insurance brokerage Arthur J. Gallagher & Company is reportedly in talks to buy a portfolio of assets from Aon and Willis Towers Watson for about $3 billion. That according to reporting from Bloomberg that said an agreement could be reached in the coming weeks and that assets in Germany, Spain, France, and the Netherlands, as well as Willis Towers reinsurance business, would be part of the package deal. Though terms of the deal and decisions around it could change as the discussions are reportedly not final. The deal is reportedly part of the approval process for Aon's $30 billion agreement last year to combine with Willis Towers. That deal, which will create the largest global insurance brokerage, has been under review by European regulators, which flagged concerns that the transaction could hurt competition. Aon and Willis Towers recently offered concessions to the European Commission. 
The Rush University System for Health and BMO Financial Group are launching an initiative that aims to improve economic vitality and health outcomes in the area. BMO's $10 million donation to create the Rush BMO Institute for Health Equity is the three hospital network's largest ever gift in support of eliminating health disparities. Stephanie Goldberg is reporting the story in detail for Cranes. The COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated long-standing disparities, the same ones that have led to a 30-year difference in life expectancy between Streeterville and Englewood. And in the wake of George Floyd's killing, local organizations began taking significant steps to improve health equity across the city. The new Rush BMO Institute for Health Equity aims to focus on four key areas, education and workforce development, innovative community-based care, community engagement to address social determinants of health, and research. BMO Financial Group donated $10 million to launch the institute, marking the Rush System's largest ever gift in support of eliminating health disparities. The goal is to raise a total of $70 million over the next several years. And this isn't the first time that BMO and Rush have worked together to address health disparities. BMO donated $5 million to the system in 2013 to help prepare students for health care jobs on Chicago's south and west sides. And that's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to our guest today, Harris Poll CEO, William Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your audio on demand. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll meet you right back here next time.